get in the Word. Come with me to our base scripture. We started on this morning, Matthew 4, 17. These were the first words of Jesus. He starts his ministry. And the first words of Jesus, uh, what does he say? Matthew 4, 17. Now, now we're on track, my brother. You can follow those scriptures. From that time, Jesus began. He's 30 years old. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he can teach the word of God. And what happens? From that time, he began. Everybody say, he began. Uh -huh. He began preaching. And the first word he said was what? Repent. Everybody shout, repent. repent. Now, repent is the Greek word met anieo. It doesn't mean remorse. What does it mean? It means change your thinking. Change your thinking. The first words of Jesus is what? Think differently. Why? He didn't say repent, you're a sinner going to hell. No, no, that's not what he said. He said think differently for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I taught this morning on what is the kingdom of heaven. You've got to know what the kingdom of heaven is. You've left the kingdom of darkness, and you've entered the kingdom of his dear son. So the first thing you've got to do is think differently. You can't be thinking the old way and wonder why the new kingdom blessings are not coming on you. In the old kingdom, you had to have three jobs. Why? You were your provider. But the moment you left the kingdom of darkness, accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, came into the kingdom of his dear son, guess what? He provides all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Everybody say, think differently. In the old kingdom, you better live next to Walgreens. Why? You are your healer. But the moment you enter the kingdom of his dear son, he's carried your sicknesses, carried your diseases, and by his stripes, you have been healed. Everybody say, think differently. In the old kingdom, you better have seven locks on your door. You are your protector. But the moment you enter the kingdom of his dear son, he's given charge to his angels to protect you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. I always tell people on the plane, I've got five million miles on American Airlines. I'm always flying somewhere. I always tell people, don't worry, this plane's never going to go down. I brought my angels with me. I never leave home without my angels. Uh, you getting a hold of this? You got, you're in another kingdom, so you've got to think differently. Amen? We found out this morning that you are not under the circumstances. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. By Christ Jesus, you triumph. You know what? Put, nah, okay. Put John 6.33 up there. God is moving me in a slightly different direction, but that's okay. Is it okay to listen to the Holy Ghost? Ah, uh, how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Well, I don't know, you know, under the circumstances, I guess I'm doing, oh, I'm doing okay. No, what is John 6.33? What does John 6.33 say? I think it's John 6.33 or John 16.33. I don't remember. Put John 6.33 up there. Uh-huh. Okay, put John 16.33. Maybe that's the one I'm looking for. What's the scripture I'm looking for? Am it 16.33? All right. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. I've told you these things so that in me you can have what? Worry, Worry anxiety, upset. That's not what it says. Mm -hmm. No, if you're in Christ, you ought to have what? Peace, confidence. Why? In the world you have tribulation. Is there tribulation in the world? Trials in the world? Distresses in the world? But be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. No, 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 you didn't get it. So let me explain this. The demons always knew he was the son of God. Why do you think the demons said, hey, you come to persecute us before our time? They knew he was the son of God. Men didn't know he was the son of God, but all the demons knew. So he doesn't need to overcome the world for him. He already is the son of God. He didn't come overcome the world for him. He overcame the world for you. 
Come on now. That's why you're more than a conqueror. That's why you're an overcomer. Amen? And this morning we learned that we are to rule and reign. Jesus is not the king of the church. He's not even the king of Christians. He's the king of... Ooh. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's got to be a king in here somewhere. Are you getting a hold of this? We are to rule and reign as kings in life. That was in Romans 5.17. Don't go over there. And we found out there's three things you need to rule and reign as kings in life. The first thing we learned this morning, you can no longer be just spirit-filled and tongue-talking. You must be spirit For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they will be called the... You're not a son and a daughter just because you're spirit-filled and tongue-talking. You don't qualify as a son until you are spirit-led, number one. Number two, you've got to have the kingdom principles. You've got to learn how the kingdom works. You've entered a kingdom. You've got to know how it works. Amen? Uh, 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 let me share with you that uh, I was... Uh, is there anybody in the room that was not born in America? If you were not born in America, lift up your hand. Oh, I was the only one that wasn't born in America? All right. So <laughs> uh, I wasn't born in America, so I needed to get a green card. So I got me a green card. Then uh, when my green card was about to expire, about nine and a half years later, uh, I decided to apply for citizenship. My ministry was all over the world, 36,000 TV stations. So I was sure when I got to the, uh, the, the, the citizenship office, they would roll out the red carpet. Oh, Dr. Siddiqui, you are here. We're so happy you want to be. They didn't roll out no red carpet. I'm sitting in the waiting room for two hours. Come on now. There's no carpet. Then they give me a book to read and they say study the book this is all the rules and regulations the history and the constitution of the country you want to become a kingdom of and there will be a test and if you don't pass the test you ain't coming in wouldn't it be awesome if we could kind of give to every Christian a little book there will be a test you're about to enter the kingdom of God. You have no clue what it is or how it works or what the principles are, how the kingdom operates, and then you wonder why you're sick and broke. Come on now. No, no. We have to, we have to get the kingdom principles. And then number three, we found out that everything in the kingdom is seed time and harvest. That's why you're always talking about money. No, it's got nothing to do with money. It's got to do with every seed you sow. I wish people loved me. Why don't you give more love? Because you will reap what you sow. I wish, I, you know, I don't want to be judged. Then stop judging others. Come on now. I want to be forgiven, so be the first to forgive. Are you getting a hold of this? It's all based on seed time and harvest. Whatsoever a man soweth. The, man, the Bible says that. The Amplified Bible says that. And only that will he reap. Amen. That's the way the kingdom works. All right. So now there's people from different churches here, so I want to establish some things specifically on uh, 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 what God, what the Bible says, all right? So is it God's will for you and I to prosper? Yes. That wasn't a very firm yes. So come with me to, uh, let's go to Psalms 35, 27. I want to make sure we stay with the Word. I don't want you to believe one word I'm telling you today. I want you to believe everything the Bible says. Amen. You cannot be a Christian believer and not believe the Word of God. You can't be. I don't believe you're a Christian because you cannot doubt God's Word. So let's stay with the Word. Everybody say, stay with the Word. Stay with the word. Uh-huh. 
Uh, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication or my uh, uh, righteous cause uh, and want what is right for me. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who delights and takes pleasure in the poverty of his servant. What? Does it say prosperity? Mm. Say this after me. God, God gets, happy gets happy when you prosper. So if you're not prospering, you're not putting a smile on your daddy's face. Are you getting a hold of this? Uh, well, I'm supposed to be broke and humble for Jesus. Who said that? Who said that? Give me a scripture. If you could find a scripture, I'm going to agree with you. But if you can't find a scripture, throw that out the window. The devil's kept the church broke for 2,000 years with that same concept that I'm supposed to be more humble and more holy if I'm broke. Ain't no scripture like that. So, if, I mean, if that, if that was the case, I guess Solomon wasn't very holy. David wasn't very holy. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph were not very holy. All the prophets were not very... Come on now, talk to me. They were Jews. You cannot convince a Jewish man to believe in poverty. They will laugh at you. It's just Christians. I don't know what happened to Christians. We got the same Jehovah, and somehow we, got it, we believed in poverty. I don't know what happened here. No, no, no. God wants you to prosper. Say this after me. God, God wants, me wants me to prosper. To prosper. Let them say continually. What is continually? All the time. So that means you should have said that at least once today. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. See, if you ain't saying it, you ain't seeing it. Mm. Write that down, somebody. Say this after me. If I ain't saying it, I ain't seeing it. Why? You're not speaking this. What are you speaking? I'm always broke. Well, guess what? You guess what you're seeing? Broke. You will have what you say. Amen. You can't be speaking the wrong stuff and believing for the right blessings. Amen? It doesn't work. Hallelujah. All right? So he says, uh-huh, uh, uh, be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Everybody say prosperity. Prosperity. Now watch this. This word prosperity is the Hebrew word, you might have heard about it, called shalom. Anybody ever heard of the word shalom? What does it mean? Peace. No. That's why you have to rightly divide the word. If you're going to use the word shalom, you better find out what does it mean. When a Jewish man says to another Jewish man, shalom, you know what he's saying? Let me read it to you. He's saying, brother, I wish for you prosperity, peace, great wealth, health, favor, all be well, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what shalom means. Uh. Now, what's this? The translators found a scripture. Don't go over there. In Isaiah uh -huh, uh, 9, 6, that says Jesus is the prince of peace. But it never said in the original text, Jesus is the prince of peace. It actually said Jesus is the prince of shalom. Because it was written in Hebrew. You getting a hold of this? Now, if Jesus is the prince of shalom, then he must be the prince of prosperity, the peace, great wealth, health, favor, all be well, nothing missing, nothing broken. 
And the translators, this was King James, and his translators decided that in Isaiah 9, 6, that they were going to use the word shalom and put peace. And the same translators decided that in Psalms 35, 27, they were going to use the word shalom and put prosperity. How can they translate it prosperity in one place and peace in the other? Because it means both. Are you getting a hold of this? So I put to you today, my brothers and sisters, if you believe that, how many of you believe Jesus is the Prince of Shalom? All right. Then he is also the Prince of Prosperity, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Great Wealth, the Prince of Health, the Prince of Favor, the Prince of Nothing Missing, Nothing Broken. Now I can say that in this church because they believe in the uncompromised Word of God. But there's some churches right here in this city. If I got up there and said, Jesus is the Prince of Prosperity, they would stone me and ask for Barabbas. Come on now. <laughs> is it okay to stay with the Word? Everybody say, stay with the Word. So my question, I'll do it one more time. Is it God's will for you and I to prosper? Yes. Don't you let anybody tell you different. That's the first problem in the churches. They don't even believe they're supposed to prosper. Now I'm going to go to the second problem in the churches. Who is responsible for your prosperity? Come with me, if you would, to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Who is responsible for my prosperity? Let's find out. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says this. Uh, uh, Moses is dead. Uh, Joshua has taken over the leadership of two to three million Jews. He's about to take them into the promised land. And God gives him this instruction. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you read or meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to do everything in it according to all that is written in it. Then watch this. You will make your way prosperous. Not one time did it say God will make you prosperous. You will make you prosperous. So if we could find out what Joshua did and we do what Joshua did, we're going to get what Joshua got. So what did Joshua do? This book of the law. Everybody say, the word of God. The word of God. Now, this is very interesting, and it didn't make sense to me until I, got to the, I went to the original Hebrew text. I had to find this out. The word of God uh -huh, shall not depart out of your mouth. It almost sounds like you shouldn't speak the word of God. So I went to the original. And here's what I found out, Dr. Davis. That's not what it said. The original said, the word of God should always be in your mouth. In other words, nothing else should be in your mouth but the word of God. That's what the original text said. So what does that mean? So that means if you open your mouth, the word should fall out. And if the word isn't falling out, then probably the wrong words are falling out. The word of God should always be in your mouth. What does that mean? That means if you open your mouth, the word should be coming out. Amen? My brothers and sisters, are you busy telling God how big your problem is? Or are you telling your problem how big your God is? Which word is coming out of your mouth? Are you getting a hold of this? It should always be the word of God. Amen? Now, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will read or meditate. Everybody say meditate. meditate. The word meditate in the Hebrew means to think, consider, ponder, mutter. In other words, you should be thinking about what? The word. What should I be thinking about? The word. How often should I think on the word? Day and night. When is it not day? When it's night. 
When is it not night? When it's day. Wait a minute. If I'm thinking about the word all day and all night, how much time I got to think of my problem? Say this after me. Every time I think of my problem, I'm not doing what Joshua did. And I ain't going to get what Joshua got. Come on. You can't be thinking about sickness and wonder why you're not healthy. You can't be thinking about poverty and wonder why you're not prospering. You can't be thinking about your problem instead of the Word of God. Amen? You've got to think on the Word. All right? So I've got to be, I have the Word in my mouth. I've got to think on the Word how often? Day and night. Why? So I can memorize scriptures? No. Jesus don't care how many scriptures you quote. He wants to know how many you live. The only scripture that's going to work in your life is what you're living, not what you're quoting. Amen? You've got to live the Word of God. You've got to be a doer of the Word of God. Amen? And I like this. So that you may be careful to do. What is the word up on the screen after the word do? Uh, you don't pick the scriptures you like. You know that rejoice, and again I say rejoice? I like that one. That tithing one? Eh, ain't crazy about that. House of prayer? Eh, ain't crazy about it. You don't pick the ones you like. You're supposed to do everything that's in it. Amen? All right? In accordance to all that is written in it, then you will make you prosperous. The word prosperous in the Hebrew means to push forward and break out. How many of you want to be prosperous in your marriage? With your children, with your grandchildren, and your health, and your... Uh, yeah, every area of your life, you will prosper if you will learn to do this. Amen? All right. So now we know... Let me, question number one, is it God's will for you and I to prosper? Yes. Question number two, who's responsible for my prosperity, God or me? Me. You got it. Now, I am... I didn't tell you this. I am an advanced, certified... Deep sea diver. I like to go 100 feet down. Amen? So I like to go deep. Turn to your neighbor and say, he likes to go deep. So I'm going to go deep in the Word. Are you ready to go deep in the Word now? All right, let's go deep into this scripture now. We're going to go to another level right now. Amen? All right. Uh huh. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you read and meditate on it day and night, so as you may do according to all that's written in it, then you will make your way prosperous. Let's break this thing down. Everybody say, meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word. So that I can be a doer of the Word. Doer of the word. Then I will see the result of the Word. Then I will see the result of the Word. Let's break it down. So if you want to change any area of your life, maybe healing, maybe finances, you know, maybe your marriage, whatever area of your life you want to change, you will never get it by praying, fasting, bawling, and squalling. No, the only way you change that area of your life is you have to change what you do. But you'll never change what you do until you change what you think. Uh, everybody say, think, think do, do, results. I've just taught you the law of thoughts. What is the law of thoughts? The law of thought says this. What you think about most of the time, you will ultimately do. And what you do will produce a result in your life. So if you want any area of your life to change, you've got to change what you do. But before you can change what you do, you've got to change what you Oh, come on now. Whatever you're thinking about 
is going to produce in your life. So if you don't change your thoughts, you'll never change your world. You can't be thinking sickness all day and wonder why you don't get healed. Can't be thinking poverty all day and wonder why you're not prosperous. Amen? You got to change this before you'll change your world. Amen? Uh, let, let, let me make it plain. Um, when you came here today, you drove, you parked in the parking lot, and guess what? Your front windshield was a whole lot bigger than your rearview mirror. Did you notice that? Do you know why they make the front windshield bigger than the rearview mirror? You're supposed to look forward much more than you look back. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, neighbor. Every, time every time you think of your past, you, your past. you, waste, your you waste your future. Why? You can't change your past. Hey, nobody can change their past, but you surely can change your future. How do I change my future? Stop thinking what you can't change. Stop thinking of the word because God's got a good plan, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Are you getting a hold of this? So your past is, not, is wasting your future. Don't do that anymore. The devil will keep getting you thinking in your past. Don't do that no more. Uh, say this after me. My future, my future. is far greater than my past. Come on now. You can control your future by controlling your thoughts. Amen? This is called the law of thoughts. If you can... Oh, I, I'll just make... You may want to write this down. I'll make it real plain. If you can't see it, you won't see it. If you can't see it here, you won't see it around you. You can't see your healing here, you ain't going to see it around you. You can't see your prosperity here. You ain't never going to see it around you. Even in sports teams, they're, they're, they're trained to see themselves winning. That's Where do you think they got it from? The Bible. Amen. So we got to see it. Everybody say, I got to see it if I'm going to get it. All right. Now, number three, let's go to John 10.10. 10. You know these scriptures well. But we're going to break it down. John 10, 10. Hallelujah. Number one, it's God's will for you and I to prosper. Number two, who's responsible for my prosperity? Me. Number three, look at this. And uh, John 10, 10. Uh, is that where I wanted to go? Why is that not looking like my Bible? I don't think that's John 10, 10. I don't, I don't know where you are, my brother, but that's not John 10, 10. You all can see John 10, 10. The thief cometh to steal. That's right. That ain't that. So, so just pull it up in your Bible. This is, this is a different translation. This one hasn't got into the New Testament yet. He's, <laughs> he's, he's still in the Old Testament. So let's go to John 10. Ah, praise God. Everybody shout, he did it. He did it. Come on now. John 10, 10. Here it comes. The thief comes only in order to what? Steal and what? Kill and what? Destroy. But I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. All right. Let's start right at the beginning. The thief. Everybody shout, the thief. The thief. Now, now, if Jesus says there's a thief, how many of you believe there's a thief? Of course there's a thief, right? Now, what does the thief do? The thief does three things. What are they? Steal and what? Kill and what? Destroy. They're written in that sequence for a reason. He's not called a destroyer, is he? He's not called a killer, is he? But he is called a thief. Why? 
Because until he can steal from you, he cannot kill you. And he cannot destroy you. In fact, I'll make it real plain. The word thief is the Greek word klepto. You ever heard of the word klepto? Kleptomaniac. Someone that is always stealing. Ah, you got it. That's where this word came from. Amen? So he's always stealing from you. And the problem is, if you don't know what he's stealing, what are you protecting? Because he's coming to your house. And if he can steal what he comes to steal, now he can kill you and he can destroy you. What does he come to steal? Let me tell you. When you put on the armor of God, you put on the helmet of what? Salvation. Breastplate of what? Righteousness. Belt of what? Truth. Shout on your feet the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. Pick up something called the shield of what? Faith. And every part of the armor is defensive. Because you didn't pick up the only offensive part you got. That's the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? And for 2,000 years, the thief has kept Christians away from their sword. What? He don't do that in my house. Really? Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody in the room that ever got excited about the Word of God? Lift up your hand if you ever got excited about the Word of God. All right. How many of you in the room said, I'm going to read my Bible every day? Lift up your hand. Wave to me. Wave to me. Wave to me. All right. How many did not do it every day? Wave to me. Wave to me. Oh, I guess he was successful in your house, huh? He kept you away from the Word. And that's how he's been stealing the Word from Christians. Because every area of your life he can steal the Word is the only area he can kill and destroy you. If you never study God's Word on marriage, he'll kill your marriage. If you never study God's Word on healing, he'll kill your health. If you never study God's Word on prosperity, he'll kill your wealth. Whatever area you won't study is the area he can kill and destroy you. Are you getting a hold of this? Why do you think the Bible says study to show yourself approved? Because if you study, he cannot steal from you any more of the word. He cannot kill you in that area, and he cannot destroy you. Are you getting a hold of this? So what's he coming to steal? The word. Now, how does he do it? Oh, that's easy. That's the easy part. Saturday night, the weatherman comes on. He said there could be a storm Sunday morning. Thousands of Christians stay away from church. Come on. Now. Sunday night, the same weatherman says there's going to be a storm Monday morning. Not one Christian misses work. Come on now. Why were you not at service last week, sister? Well, I had a headache, pastor. You had a headache? You should have run to church. You would have got healed. What a ridiculous reason to stay away from church. Any excuse to not come to where the word, and what's the devil doing? Stealing. Because that could have been the Sunday. One word of God could have changed your life forever. And that's the Sunday you missed. That's the very Sunday, so the devil was successful to keep it away from you. Don't let him do that anymore. What does the devil come to steal? Word. The Word. The Word. That's what he's coming to steal. If the church is open every night, you better go every night. 
because it could be one word that will change your life forever. Amen. If your pastor's got a conference going on, show up. God didn't put the conference because he got nothing else to do. He did it to bless you. How can he bless you if you ain't there? Come on. The word. What does the thief come to steal? Are you getting older? The word, that's what he wants. He doesn't want your health. He doesn't want your wealth. He controls this money system of the world. But what does he need? The word. Why? Why does he come to steal the word? Are you ready for this? Because he was there in the beginning when God opened his mouth and spoke a word and 400 billion galaxies showed up growing at the rate of 186 thousand miles a second that's how powerful god's word is and the devil has one major fear what's his fear that you'll get the word because if you get the word he can't kill you in that area he can't defeat you in that area he can't destroy you in that area because you got the word are you getting a hold of this so what does he come to steal don't let him do that no more when my wife had multiple sclerosis, you saw the video. She had MS. Crippled, blind, paralyzed, hands twisted, feet twisted, lying in bed. And every single Sunday, I would pick her up. I would carry her to the car. Every single Sunday, I would lay her down in the back seat of the car. We would drive to church. Every single Sunday. Sunday. I would pick her up and put her in the last row. And everyone standing, lifting up their hands, worshiping God. And she said, God, if I could stand, I would, but I can't. If I could lift my hands, I could, but I can't. But you know what I can do, Lord? I can lift this one finger. This is, this is my worship to you. She never missed one Sunday church in two straight years. That's why she's healed today. Think of all the silly reasons you've missed church. Don't you ever let him steal the word from you again. Amen? What does a thief come to steal? I shared with you this morning that God changed the post-Adamic age from the pre-Adamic age. In the pre-Adamic age, before Adam was created, God spoke and everything appeared. In the post-Adamic age, that's not how uh, harvest comes. In the post-Adamic age, he commanded the earth to bring the harvest. Remember I taught you that? You've got to plant seed to get a harvest, not pray. Praying don't bring a harvest. Fasting don't bring a harvest. Seed bring a harvest. Because now the earth is commanded. And I told you that God even created the Garden of Eden by planting a seed. Because God's a sower. Come on now. And then I shared with you this morning that he sowed and caused it to grow. He sowed and caused it to grow. And we always sow on every Sunday, but we never learn how to make it grow. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, I'm going to teach you how to make every seed you have ever planted in God's work to grow. For some of you, there's a huge harvest about to come to you tomorrow night. And I said all of that to tell you that the thief, everybody say the thief, thief. will give you 20 Four reasons why you can't be here tomorrow night. How many reasons? 24. How many? 24. Are you going to let him steal the word from you tomorrow? No. Are you going to let him uh, stop you from getting your harvest tomorrow? No. I have 
a photographic memory. And I'm taking your picture right now. So I will know if you let the thief steal the word. Don't let him do it anymore. You waited all these years to get the harvest of all your seed. Don't let him steal the word tomorrow night. Amen? All right. What does a thief come to steal? The word. Don't let him do that anymore. Now I'm going to take you to a scripture that changed my life. This one really revolutionized my life. Uh, Bishop, I had to pray different, think different, fast. Everything was different after I got this revelation. Come with me to 2 Peter 1.3. 2 Peter 1.3. Say, that don't sound like a very strong verse. Oh, it is. It is so powerful. Look up at the screen now. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are to life and godliness through the personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everybody say, the power of God. The The word bestowed is in the Amplified Bible. In your Bible, it may say given. Uh Uh-huh. God has bestowed or given uh, to us all. What does the word all mean in Virginia? All things. What does the word things mean in Virginia? Turn to your neighbor and say, my stuff. stuff. (laughs) The power of God has given to you all your stuff. Now watch this. Did you notice the word given or the word bestowed is past tense? I'll make it plain. God ain't going to give you anything because he's already given you everything. So when you pray for things, you pray a redundant prayer that never is heard by God. Say, God, 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 give me this, give me that, give me the other. And God's going, don't know what he's talking about. He didn't read the scriptures. My Bible says I've already given him all things. Mm. How many things? All things. In fact, let me make it real plain. FedEx and UPS doesn't pick up from heaven. Say this after me. Everything I need to fulfill God's plan for my life is already on the earth. Jesus said three words on the cross. What were they? It is finished. When he said it's finished, what do you think he meant? It's finished. Guess what? Where is Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know why Jesus is sitting down? Everybody shout, he's finished. finished. You know where the Father is right now? He's seated at the left hand of Jesus. You know why the Father's sitting down? Everybody shout, he's finished. The only one left on the earth is the Holy Spirit. And he's here to guide you to do what? The real question is not, God, will you give me things? The real question is, Lord... How do I access what you've already given me? Now you're asking the right question. Give me a car. God's going, don't know what you're talking about. Give me a house. Don't know what you're talking about. Give me this thing and that thing and the other. God's going, don't know what you're talking about. Because I've already given you all things to life. Are you getting a hold of this? We're going to break this thing down and find out how do I access all things. You know what? Let, Let me do this. How do I access all things? When you ask God for things, you're saying, God, you're not yet finished. But Jesus said, it is finished. Amen. My brothers and sisters, it is already done. It is already. I'll make it plain. Can I make it plain? I'm going to make it real plain. There's a man crying out, 
Uh-huh. Bless me, Lord. Ble no, there's a man crying out, save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. I don't want to go to hell. Save me, Lord. The Father looks down from heaven, and he says to Jesus, where is Jesus? Jesus is seated where? At the right hand. Jesus, son, come here. What's this guy talking about? Jesus looks on the scene, and he says, I don't know. Went to the cross 2,000 years ago. I paid the price of the sins of all mankind. He don't have to go to hell. I guess he just don't know. God's people perish for lack of? No. There's a woman crying out, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord. Oh, Lord, heal me of my cancer. Heal me, Lord. And the father looks down, and he says, Jesus, come here. What's she talking about? Jesus looks down and says, I don't know. 2,000 years ago, I carried every sickness and every disease, including cancer. Uh, she doesn't need to carry it. I guess she just don't know. God's people perish for lack of? There's a man praying, bless me, Lord, bless me. I need a house. I need a car. Oh, God, I need these things. Bless me, Lord. The father looks down and says, Jesus, come here. What's this guy talking about? Jesus looks over and says, I don't know. The scripture says that we've already given him all things to life and godliness. Have you ever, have you ever eaten in a restaurant that is a buffet? Anybody ever eat, eaten in a buffet? Wave to me if you've ever Yeah. Man walked into a buffet one day. He had no idea it was a buffet. He went and sat down at the table. He's waiting for a waiter to take his order. Waiter, waiter, nobody comes. Waitress, waitress, nobody comes. After 20 minutes, he leaves the restaurant hungry and angry because nobody went to the kitchen to get him some food. He had no idea. A few feet away, all the food was already prepared. Yes. Nothing was coming from the kitchen. It was already there. I got news for you. Ain't nothing coming from heaven. It's already here. Are you getting a hold of this? So how do I access what's already here? Look, watch this. Watch this. What's your first name, brother? Don. Don? Don, are you a pastor? Don? Yes, sir. All right. I'll try not to hold that against you. No, no. Just kidding. <laughs> Don, if I was to write a check for a million dollars, put it in a bank account in your name, you would be a millionaire, correct? That's correct. But if I never gave you the account number... You'd be the brokest millionaire out there. Because <laughs> you don't know how to access what I already gave you. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Christians are the brokest millionaires out there because they've never learned how to access what God has already given them. Are you getting a hold of this? All right, now let's break it down. Here are the four things you need. You may want to write these four things down. This is how you access what God has already given you. Number one, you've got to know it's already here. Not coming from heaven, it's here now. It's already finished. It's commanded, appointed, and set in order. God's part of your provision is already finished. In fact, because it's finished, watch this. Because it's finished, you know what God's answer to your prayer is? Yes and amen. <laughs> Why? Because it's already here. Number two. Number two. You've got to understand that God's kingdom is only accessed through seed time and harvest. There's no other way. In every area of your life, you will always reap what you sow. Think the wrong thoughts, you reap the wrong stuff. Speak the wrong words, you reap the wrong stuff. Do the wrong things, you reap the wrong stuff. Amen? Because you will always reap what you sow. So, number two, seed time. Say this after me. Everything, Everything. is accessed, accessed. Through, a seed. through a seed. 
Number three, the Holy Spirit was not sent to live in you with a pillow. He's not looking for somewhere to sleep. He want to walk through you, talk through you, minister through you. In fact, he came to lead you. So what does that mean? Number three, you must be spirit-led. In fact, that's one of the biggest problems in churches today. And I say this with all humility, with all the pastors present. Here's what happens on Sunday morning. Bishop, can I tell you what happens on Sunday morning? Here's what happens on Sunday morning. Christians on Sunday morning at offering time, time for the tithes and offerings, they plant a tomato seed and get mad at God because corn don't come. Corn ain't never going to come. Why? Planted the wrong seed. Why did they plant a tomato seed? Because that's what they wanted to do. God don't watch over your words. He watch over his. So what should they have done? They should have prayed and obeyed. The Holy Spirit will tell you what seed will bring which harvest. And if you never go to the Holy Ghost and you tip God like he's your waiter, then you wonder why five years gone by you're still sick and broke. That ain't working. What should I do? Every time, say this after me. Every time I plant seed, I got to pray, ask the Holy Spirit, and obey. God ain't never trying to take something from you. But he can't give you the right harvest if you keep planting the wrong seed. Are you getting a hold of this? So you must be not just spirit-filled. You must be spirit Oh, you got it. And then number four, you must have the finality of faith. What does that mean? Without faith, you can't please God. And without faith, he can't bless you. That's simple. You've got to live by faith, walk by faith, have your being in faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans, anything that isn't faith is sin. Mm. Are you getting a hold of this? So don't pray for things anymore, uh-huh, because God's already finished. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. You claim what you need, plant the seed for your harvest, and then you plant the seed, believe by faith that you got it. Amen. That's how you start to see those four things manifest in your life. Amen? Say this after me. If I got a need, then I got a need to seed. Are you getting a hold of this? Seed fulfills every need. And you're going to find out that God is in the seed business, not the need business. He's already fulfilled all your needs. When? By giving you the right seed. Amen? All right. So now, God always, always answers before you need it. You need to understand that. Seed releases you to what's already on planet Earth. God has gone ahead of you, found out what you needed, and already put it on the Earth. Say this after me. God, God. always, 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 always knows, knows my need, my need before, before I need it I need and puts it, it on, the earth, on the Earth waiting on my obedience. To the, Holy Spirit. to the Holy Spirit. Are you getting a hold of this? It's already here. You think that there's an emergency meeting going on right now? You think the Father's going, Jesus, Jesus, quick, come in the boardroom. Holy Spirit, come in the boardroom. She got a need, and I didn't know she had a need. Come on now. God saw the end from the beginning. He knew your need before you knew your need. In fact, let me go one step further. Because he knew your need before you knew your need, he already placed it here before you even needed it. I'll make it real plain. Say this after me. God, God always, 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 always supplies, supplies my, need my need before, before 
I need it. So if you need something right now in your life, your job, your family, your ministry, your church, it's already here. The house is here. The car is here. The building is here. Whatever you need is sitting on the earth right now waiting on you to seek the Holy Spirit on what seed will bring it. Are you getting a hold of this? Well, where's the seed? Uh, trust me, you got it already. But you, only the Holy Spirit will show you what it is. Amen? That's why we can't just be spirit-filled. We got to be spirit your seed brings your future into your present. The need is proof that it's already here. The seed is not the uh, 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 beginning of your harvest. It's the end of your harvest. But you have to pray and obey. With a seed, you don't start a miracle. You finish a miracle. Amen? But the seed has to be released. All right. So you've seen now the four steps. I got to pray, sow the seed, send my angels out to influence men to pour into my bosom the harvest of that seed. Amen? All right. Let, where do I get seed from, Brother Nasser? 2 Corinthians 9.10. 2 Corinthians 9.10. So if this is how the kingdom works, then I got to find some way to get seed. Oh, that's easy. God provides what? Not cars. When you get to heaven, there's no car lots in heaven. No furniture stores in heaven. No, no buildings in heaven. It's a spiritual place. But there is seed. So God's in the seed business. Every time, say this after me, every time, every time I, got a need, I got a need, God will give me, will give me the, right the right seed. If you need a car, we were talking about that this morning. Uh, uh, you need a car, guess what? God ain't going to give you a car, but he's going to give you a car seed. If you need a house, God ain't going to give you a house, but he's going to give you a house seed. you need a job, he's not going to give you a job, he's going to give you a job seed. you need your business to grow, your church to grow, your ministry to grow, he's going to give you the right Oh, are you getting hold of this? And in the mind of God, watch this now. This is tough now. In the mind of God, when he gave you the seed, he gave you what that seed was going to produce. So the second time you pray, God, give me a house, give me a house. God's going, I don't know what you're talking about. I gave you the seed, you ate it. You didn't sow it. That's why you don't have your car your house, your job, your business, your building, because you did not sow it. But in the mind of God, the moment he gave you the right seed, he gave you the answer to your prayer. All you got to do is sow the seed that God directs. Amen. What's this? God gives seed to who? Why? Because God never created a seed to live as a seed. Can I say that one more time? God never created a seed to live as a seed. A seed was created by God with an assignment. An apple seed, what's its assignment? Apple tree. Orange seed, what's its assignment? Orange tree. Car seed, what's its assignment? Car. House seed, what's its assignment? House. And if you give seed to every Christian, then it'll die with its assignment because it'll never get sowed. It'll never produce the DNA in it. So God don't give seed to every Christian. In fact, he don't give seed to the keepers. He only gives seed to the? Mm. This is the only way God can guarantee that every seed will fulfill its assignment. So if you're not one of God's sowers, don't be surprised if your seed runs out. 
But if you are God, one of God's sowers, which means you're constantly sowing, led by the Spirit of God, guess what? You will never, never, never run out of seed. The only people that will never run out of seed are the sowers. Why? Because they get seed from God. Are you getting a hold of this? God gives seed to the sower. Harvest doesn't follow a need. Harvest only follows a seed. Now, I shared with you this morning that you're going to have to pray and obey because we keep planting the wrong seed on Sunday morning and wonder why the right harvest ain't coming. So we got to do is we got to pray and what? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Come with me to 2 Chronicles 6 4. 2 Chronicles 6 4. 2 Chronicles 6 4. This is a conference, so we got a lot of word to give you, and then we're going to pray and release gifts and anointings. Amen. Get you all healed today. Uh huh. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who's fulfilled with his hands what he promised with his mouth to David. Say this after me God, God is only, only obligated. To fulfill with his hands what he spoke with his mouth. That's why it's so important for you to listen. What does God want me to do here? And obey him. Second Chronicles 26.5. Second Chronicles 26.5. The days of throwing money in buckets is over. The days of tipping God is over. We've been doing that for 2,000 years. By now we should have owned planet earth. And we're still struggling. Sick and broke. Well, we, we, how many of you serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Yeah. Then why is it? He wants to keep it all, not want to share it with his kids? No, he wants to share it with his kids, but we've never learned how to access it. Amen? Look at this. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the things of God. Watch this. As long as he sought the Lord, what happened? God made him prosper. How many of you guys want to prosper? If you want to prosper, wave to me. How do you prosper? Everybody shout, seek God. Seek God. That's how you prosper. Job 36, 11. Come on, let's go to another one. Job 36, 11. If they obey and serve him, everybody shout, obey God. Obey God. They will spend their days in prosperity. How, how many of you like to spend your days in prosperity? How many of you like to spend your years in pleasantness and joy? What's the secret to this? Obey God. But I don't want to obey God. Why? Because God may tell me to sow something more than I'm planning. I got news for you. He will. God may tell me to sow when it's not convenient. I got news for you. He will. Why? He actually wants you to live by faith. Oh, come on now. But he can't take you higher in harvest till you go higher in seed. So when he's trying to get you to plant a seed, he's trying to move you to your next level of harvest. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. You, don't you don't have to obey God. He still loves you. Still loves you. But, but if you choose, if you choose not, to him, not to obey him, you better read the next verse. The next verse. If they obey not, not what happens? Perish by the soul. What does that mean? They'll die for lack of knowledge. And that's what's happening to the church. After 2,000 years uh, since Jesus ascended, we're still struggling for lack of knowledge. Everybody shout, no more. No more. All right, come with me to another. By the way, get a hold of this. You got, see, see, 
people that have a problem sowing the right seed are people that don't know they're God. When God tells you what to sow, Pastor, He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And the wrong seed will stop him from giving you the right harvest. God doesn't need anything you got. You need everything he got. But he can't release what he got to you till you release what he tells you. Otherwise, the wrong seed can't bring the right harvest. Are you getting a hold of this? All right. Come with me to Isaiah 119. Every time it's offering time, you got to pray and obey. Pray and obey. Everybody say pray. Pray. Obey. Obey. All right. Isaiah 119. Here we go. If condition you be willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. What if you don't want to be obedient? Then you ain't going to eat the good of the land. I mean, how simple could that be? My brothers and sisters, if you have a contract or a covenant with somebody and an electrician, the electrician does the work, are you supposed to pay him? Yeah. But the electrician doesn't show up. Are you supposed to pay him now? No. If you don't do your part, what makes you think God's going to do his part? What's your part? Obey God. What's his part? Bless you. What's your part? Obey God. What's his part? Give you the good of the land. But if you ain't going to listen and do your part, what makes you think he's going to do his part? How's that been working for you? It don't work. You got to do your part. If you be willing and obedient, the good of the land was always on the land, but only the obedient got to eat it. Are you getting a hold of this? It was always there. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the benefits of obedience and how critical it is. Let me start by telling you that uh, Moses took two to three million Jews out of, I'm going to make some statements now that may shock you, but that's okay. Moses took two to three million Jews out of slavery in Egypt, and on the way to the promised land, they came across a problem. What was that problem? The Red Sea. What happened with the, dead, the Red Sea? They couldn't get across. There was no bridges and no boats. Everybody say, Moses, Moses. Had, a had a need. So he gets on his knees, he prays, God, God, God. Uh, well, we got a need. We got a need. There's the Red Sea. There's no boats. There's no bridges. How do we get across? Mountains over here, mountains over here. And when he looked back, the army of the Egyptians were coming to kill him. Everybody shout, he got a real need. <laughs> God, 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 help, help, help. He's crying out to God. And a little voice from heaven says, Moses, you see the stick on the ground? Put that over the water. Moses said, no, God, I don't have time to place sticks on the water. I got a need. <clears throat> Little voice says, Moses, take the stick from the ground, put it on the water. Moses says, is there anybody else up there? They just have to me. Every time, Every time I, got a need, I got a need, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, give me will give me an instruction. He don't meet your needs. He gives instructions. And when you obey the instruction, ooh, Moses picked up the staff. That was the instruction. He put it over the Red Sea, and it parted three miles wide. I got a need. I got a need. God's going to tell you what to sow. If you obey him, you're going to see the harvest. If you disobey him, you're on your own. God is not in the car-giving business. He in the instruction-giving business. 
He's your guide. He gives you information. Everybody with me so far? I haven't lost you. <clears throat> there was a has King Hezekiah was surrounded by the enemies, uh, the army of his enemies. He had a need. He cried out to God, 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 they're going to wipe us out. We're totally outnumbered. Help, God, help, God. And the instruction came. Send out the worship team. What? They can't even fight. Are you kidding me? They'll get wiped out. Your job is not to question his instruction. Your job is to pray. So guess what? He sent out the singers. The army of the enemies killed each other and wiped themselves out. Are you getting a hold of this? When God is trying to take care of your need, he's going to give you an instruction. Man was cutting a tree. The axe fell into the river. God, 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 I got a need. I got to get my axe. It's the only way I can make any money. I got to get my axe. A voice from heaven says, you see the stick on the ground? Throw it in the river. No, no, I don't want to throw sticks in the river. Guess what? The moment he put the pick through the stick in the river, the axe came flying out. Are you getting a hold of this? I saw this throughout the Bible. God was not giving stuff. He was giving instruction. My brother, say this after me. The instruction, the instruction I, obey I obey is the future, is the future. I, create. I create. You're creating your future. Either you're obeying God's instruction or you're obeying your flesh's instruction. If you obey God's instruction, you create the future that God has for you. Are you getting a hold of this? Now, now, let's bring that over to the New Testament. Did it change in the Gospels? No, not at all. You remember, you remember when uh, Jesus was uh, by the Sea of Galilee and he wanted to uh, preach to 5,000 men plus women and children, the thousands of people. He didn't have a microphone like I got. He didn't have speaker systems. And guess what? He knew that the only way if he, that would carry his voice to everybody was that he had to get on the water. So he looked over and he saw Simon Peter's boat. And he climbed into the boat, right? And Simon Peter was there washing his nets. Uh-huh. And then he, uh, Simon Peter saw somebody getting into his boat, and he said, can I help you? Yep, row me out. So Simon Peter gets into the boat, rows him out for a little while, and then he says, stop here. Now there's enough water between where Jesus is sitting on the boat and the land that it would amplify his voice. Jesus was pretty smart. So he finished teaching. And when he finished teaching, he said, Simon Peter... Because you've given me your boat for the work of the ministry, that's the seed that you planted. Simon Peter, put your nets there for a catch. Simon Peter's going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know a little bit about carpentry. You even know a little bit about the Bible, but you ain't got no clue about fishing. So let me tell you about fishing. My daddy was a fisherman. My granddaddy was a fisherman. I've been fishing this lake all my life. In fact, I was out all last night fishing, and we caught nothing. Everybody shout, broke business. How long can you be a fisherman and catch nothing? That's a broke business, right? And then he says, you want me to put my nets out in the middle of the day? No fisherman puts his nets out in the middle of the day. You I'll be the laughing stock of the fishermen. You want me thrown out of the fishermen's association? <laughs> See, there you go, questioning God's instruction. Questioning God's instruction. There were two fish. Mm -hmm. Pastor Don and Pastor David. And they were swimming. Pastor Don says to Pastor David, fish, 
We outsmarted those fishermen. They came here. We went over there. They came over there. We came over here. They've been looking for us all night. Could not find us. All of a sudden, Pastor Don says, why are we swimming backwards? <laughs> all the fish in the whole Sea of Galilee are swimming backwards. What's going on? Every fish in the entire Sea of Galilee was sitting right there with one instruction. Sea net, jump in. And if Peter had never put in a net, he would have walked away from the greatest catch of his life. Are you getting a hold of this? God don't give you stuff. He gives you instruction. The instruction you obey is the future you create. Okay, let me give you another one. John, uh-huh. uh, 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 there was a wedding at Cana. You remember that wedding at Cana? Remember they ran out of wine on the third day? Well, you know what? Uh, how many of you've got? Is there any? How many of you've got daughters? If you've got daughters, wave to me. All right, you should be very blessed that you're living in America, because in Israel, when your daughter gets married, the wedding is five days. The people guests live in your house for five days. You have to feed them for five days. You have to give them wine for five days. It's exactly what happens over there. On the third day, they ran out of wine. That is a dishonor to the guests because you cannot run out. Why did they run out of wine? Well, that's easy. They invited one guy and 12, 13 showed up. They invited Jesus and he brought the whole gang. All the disciples showed up. No wonder they ran out of wine. Are you getting a hold of this? So what happened? Now, Mama Mary was a friend of the host. How do you know? Because Mama Mary immediately said to Jesus, they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine. What are you going to do? Jesus said, it ain't my time. It ain't my time. It ain't my time. Now, Jesus is in a dilemma. What's the dilemma? It's not his time to step out. But then does he disobey his mama? And violate the fourth commandment? Why? Obey your mother and your father, and it will be well with you. Huh. And you will live long on the earth. He decides not to disobey the fourth commandment. So he says to the servants, okay, go get those pots. Because Mama Mary, Mama Mary knew that he was living by faith. How do you know Mama Mary knew he was living by faith? Because she said, whatever he says, just, just do it, just do it. Mama Mary saw him in his teenage years living by faith. Mama Mary saw him in his 20s living by faith. How do you know he was living by faith? Because at 30, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the father says, this is my beloved son in, he, in whom I'm well pleased. I said, how can you be pleased? He hasn't even started his ministry. And the Lord said, don't you know what pleases me? Faith. He's been living by faith all through his teenage years and his 20s. That's why I'm pleased. I said, okay, Lord, I got it. And so what does Jesus say? Get me those pots, the six pots, 30 gallons apiece. Put water in those pots. The, 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 the servants put water in the pots. He says, now give it to the guest of honor. Now you know that servant. He's got the jug here. He takes out the water. He says, today I'm going to die. Today is the day that I'm finished because these guys have been drinking for three days. They are not sober to begin with. The last thing they want is water. If I give them water, they're going to kill me. And he goes to the guest of honor and he pours. And in the act of obedience, it turned into the best wine. 
Your job is to pray. Don't argue with Jesus. Don't argue with Jesus. Because every time you argue with Jesus, you're not going to see the harvest. Are you getting a hold of this? My brothers and sisters, uh, so many example after example. Talking about Jesus, let's just deal with a couple of things here. Was Jesus poor? No. I've been to the Holy Land. These guys have been with me to the Holy Land. Jesus, uh, Jesus is Father. Mm. He was a carpenter. Carpenters were not making little tables and chairs. Joseph was a stone cutter. He made homes. He was very wealthy. How do you know Joseph was wealthy? When 99.99999% of the people walked. Joseph had a donkey. That was the Mercedes of the day. Come on now. How do you know he had a donkey? How do you think Mary got to Bethlehem? Come on now. They didn't go into a hotel room looking for a room with no money. They had money for the room. There just wasn't any room. That's why he was born in a stable. And the, 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 the wise men never showed up the night he was born. That's a fable. They showed up when he was almost two years old. They, uh, Jesus knew very well. Well, at that time, when those, when those wise men showed up, first of all, there wasn't three of them. There were three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you don't travel two years following a star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how many gold gifts there were, frankincense or myrrh gifts, but you don't do that with three people. You would have been killed a long time ago. There were 75 people in that party. Are you getting a hold of this? Because God knew. This is the way God works. God knew, watch this, two years before Herod decreed, kill the babies under two. Two years before he made that decree, guess what? The camels were coming with all the provision so that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus could have a three-year all-expense-paid vacation to Egypt. Come on now. Are you getting a hold of this? Before the need, the camels were coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, my camels are coming. Are you getting a hold of this? Always, 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 the need was met before it was needed. Amen? Was Jesus poor? No. The disciples came to him and said, are you the one that John the Baptist is talking about? That's doing all these miracles? Jesus said, you see the miracles? Now come and stay in my house. He had a house. The only scripture those uh, 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 theologians quote is, what about the scripture that says Jesus became poor? Yes, listen to me. He's the son of God. He was on the throne room of 400 billion galaxies. Anything on earth is poor. Come on now, talk to me. Are we getting a hold of this? That's what he left to come here. But they don't read the rest of the verse. What's the rest of the verse? Jesus became poor so you could become? Oh, come on now. They don't read the whole thing. Amen? No, Jesus was not poor. Not at all. How many people you know got a treasurer that's carrying the wallet and they're stealing every day from the wallet and 11 guys can't figure it out? How many people you know got a treasurer that they're out in the desert, they've got 5,000 men plus women and children, and guess what? 8,000 people, and now it's getting dark, and Jesus has the nerve to turn to the disciples and says, you feed them. And the disciples said there's no store close by. So they had enough money to feed 10,000 people. Hello, somebody. No, Jesus was not poor. 
Where did he get the idea he was poor? When he needed an upper room, he got it. When he needed a boat, he got it. When he needed an unridden donkey, turn to your neighbor and say, brand new car. That's what an unridden donkey is. It's a brand new car. He got it. No, Jesus was not poor. In fact, let me go one step further. <laughs> wow, we're really knocking out some demons in this place. Now, here we go. They never crucified the Lord of glory. What? They crucified the Lord of glory. No, they didn't. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if, if this be thy will, I'll do it. But if there's any way this cup can be taken from me. Why? Because he was afraid of the nails? No. The thorns? No. The spear in the side? No. The whipping? No. For the first time, he would be separated from the Father. That's why he didn't want to do it. But if it be thy will, I'll do it. That night, a garrison of angels, 600 armed soldiers, marched into the garden. And they said, are you the one? Are you the one? They called Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus only said two words. I am. 600 soldiers fell down. 600 soldiers fell down. That's how much power was released when he said, I am. And the next verse says, <laughs> uh, there was a naked man running with a sheep. First of all, if there was a naked man and he had a sheet, why would you write it in the Bible? I found out when I got there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, there's a cemetery. And guess what? <laughs> in that cemetery, a young man had just been buried in an open tomb. In an open grave. And when Jesus said, I am, enough power was released to raise him from the dead. And the only thing he had, a sheet. And he was running with that sheet. No, they did not crucify the Lord of glory. He laid his life down. Are you getting a hold of this? And when they took him to the cross, the soldiers took his garment, his cloak, and they cast lots because it was worth so much money. How expensive was it? You think you got a Hugo Boss suit? You think you got a Versace suit? You think you got a St. John's outfit? You ain't got nothing compared to Jesus. His cloak had no seams. No seed. That's how expensive it was. Jesus was not poor. Don't buy into all that junk that Jesus was poor. There's no scripture to back it up. Amen? And that's why he wants you to be prosperous. Amen? Uh, uh, let me give it to you one last scripture on this, and we'll shut it down, and we'll move to the next step. Let's go to, Matthew, to, to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Was Jesus poor? No, not on your life. If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do His commandments, which I command you this day, then the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus obey the voice of the Father? Yes. He said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. So He did do that, didn't He? Did Jesus violate any commandments? Nope. Even when he had an opportunity to violate commandment number four with his mama, he would not violate it. Amen? So Jesus fulfilled this verse. He is the only one that fulfilled this verse. And what will happen? The Lord God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Next verse. What's going to happen? And all these blessings 
Mm. Did you notice in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never had a cold. He never had a backache. He never had a foot ache. He never had knee problems. Why? Because the only thing that could touch him was the blessing. Yes. Sickness is a curse. Curse could not touch him. Only blessings could touch him. Prosperity is blessing. Poverty is a curse. That's why he would never prayed for finances. He never needed it. He was always prosperous. He was always healthy. Amen. But what was the condition? All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if, oh my goodness, if, what's the condition? You'll heed the voice of the Lord your God. Where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. That's why you must pray and what? Oh, my brothers and sisters, it's time to leave the land of disobedience. Amen? It's time for us. You, you know what's really funny? Because the nation of Israel, <laughs> they disobeyed God. They spent 40 years in the desert on a journey that takes 11 days. Now, how do you spend 40 years on a journey that takes 11 days? Just because of one word, disobedience. And guess what? They died in the desert of disobedience. Don't die in the desert of disobedience. Amen. Everybody say pray. pray. Obey. Obey. Come with me to John 12, 24. John 12, 24. God is in the seed business, but he's only in, in the business of giving you seed if you will sow it as he tells you. Pray and obey. John 12, 24. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, if the seed is put in the ground, it produces. What produces? The seed. What brings my car? The seed. What brings my house? The seed. What brings my business? The seed. What brings my church growth? The seed. What brings everything I need? The seed. God gives you seed, number one, he gives you the Holy Spirit. Number two, ask you to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. Number three, plant the seed that God tells you. Number four, and then you access all things. Are you getting a hold of this? This is how the kingdom works. And if you're going to make a decision to live in his kingdom, you've got to do it the kingdom way. And we haven't done this for 2,000 years. And for 2,000 years, the church is sick and broke should never be. That was not the will of God. Amen? God wants you to get into your land of milk and honey. But he can't get you there if you won't do it God's way. Amen? If you do it God's way, you cannot lose. See, the, where was the car seed? Always in your hand. You just have to plant it. The house seed, in your hand. Whatever you need, he gives you the right seed. Seed brings forth its purpose and destiny only if it's sown. I was... I was going to a place called Branson, Missouri. Anybody ever heard of Branson, Missouri? Branson, Missouri. And on the highway, they had to dynamite the rocks to put the highway from Joplin, uh, Springfield to Branson. And on the side of the highway, uh, the rocks were like this. I saw a tree on the side, on the rocks. You know, how did that tree get there? None of that makes any sense. A tiny little seed fell into the crack of a rock. And water came, and the seed opened up. And it had enough power in it that it started fighting its way into the rock with a root, fighting its way out of the rock with a shoot. And the next thing you know, that shoot has got leaves, more seed. Where was all that power all the time? Hidden in the seed. Do you have any idea how much power is in your seed? 
Seed don't look like much. It's just a little thing, but it has three parts. The first one is the outer shell. That's what protects the seed. And if you cut it in half, there's an endosperm, food storage zone. And in the very center of that seed is something called an embryo. You know what an embryo is? Everybody say, the DNA, the DNA. of my heart. And if the wrong seed is planted, how can the right harvest come? That's why you got to pray and what? Okay. Don't cry to God for your need. Cry to God for your seed. All right. Write down these three laws. These are the three laws of the harvest. Law number one, you will always reap the same kind as you sow. Go with me to Genesis 1.11. You will always reap the same kind as you sow. Genesis Genesis 1.11. All right, here we go. And God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees yielding fruit, whose seed is in itself, each according to its kind upon the earth. Everybody say, every seed, every seed produces, produces its, own its own kind. Now put up there Galatians 6.7. I want to show you this in the New Testament. Uh-huh. Look at it in the New Testament. Do not be deceived, deluded, or misled. God will allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions of his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man, that and only that shall he reap. My brothers and sisters, the house we live in today is totally, completely debt-free. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Lift up your hand and shout, next. next. But we sow it into people's mortgage payment. We sow it into people's rent payment. We sow it into people's down payment. That's why we're totally debt free. Every car we have in the ministry is totally debt free. Lift up your hand and shout, next. next. We gave away two cars in a minivan. You gave them away? Yes. Don't you ever give your car away if man tells you. But if God tells you, you better do it right away. Why? Because they make better ones than you drive every day. God ain't trying to take it from you. God trying to get something. Oh, uh, you're getting a hold of this. Uh, let me share this story about um, uh, uh, my wife when she was a teenager. She had a girlfriend who had came from a really poor family. She had one pair of shoes and they had holes in them. And every time it would rain, her feet would get wet. So, so she said, God, God, give her a pair of shoes. And God says, yes, why don't you? Careful what you're praying. God's going to go, why don't you do it? And she said, but I got two pairs of shoes. I got this good pair that I like. And then I got this other pair that's tight on my heels. I know, I know. I'll give her the shoes that are tight on my heels. And God said, girl, how many tight pairs of shoes you want to reap? Because you will reap what you sow. So my wife did the right thing. She gave her the good pair of shoes. If you come to my house today, we got a room off the master bedroom. And in this room, my wife got shoes of every conceivable color and a bunch of colors I never heard of in my life. If Jesus takes 100 years to come back, my wife ain't going to run out of shoes. We men, were happy with a pair of black shoes, but not the ladies. They need black shoes with high heels, medium heels, low heels, no heels, open toe, closed toe. How many black shoes does a lady need? And all the ladies shouted, next. next. Come on. <laughs> Are you getting a hold of this? Why did that happen to her? She reaped what she? Oh. Come on. 
For you men, you're going to love this story. This, the house we lived in before the house we live in now was so small, you could swing a cat by the tail in the master bedroom and hit all four walls. No, I didn't swing the cat for all you cat lovers, all right? But it was so small, you could almost touch the walls. Well, right there, uh-huh, one of those walls had a sliding closet. You know, you know where you open the closet door, you can hang your clothes. And I distinctly remember, before I went to preach on one of those trips, right about here were her clothes. Right about here were my clothes. I got back from that trip and they had moved. I got back from the next trip, they had moved again. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? My section of the closet was shrinking fast. So I put my foot down. I said, honey, you got too much stuff. You're going to have to give it away. She said, okay. She got two of her best outfits. Everybody say best. Best. Not her worst. She got two of her best outfits, gave them somebody to somebody her size, and I'm thinking, praise God, I got more space in the closet. That lasted seven days. There was a knock on the door, and there was a lady said, uh, uh, God won't let me sleep all night, said, I got to take your wife out, buy her four brand new outfits. <laughs> she reaped what she, I don't complain about my closet anymore, it don't matter. The more she gives away, the more blessed she's going to be, Amen. You will always reap the same kind as you sow. I wish I had more friends. Why don't you be more friendly? Wish more people loved me. Why don't you give out more love? Because whatsoever a man, so shall he. Are you getting a hold of this, my brothers and sisters? All right. So now we're finding out. Let's go to law number two. Let's go to, uh, actually, you know what? No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. stop. Look up here. There's one seed that doesn't produce its own kind. And if you don't know what that is, you'll keep struggling. What is that seed? Money. Because money is made out of paper. How many of you, when you plant money, are believing God for a tree? Nobody. So money seed must be given a DNA. Come with me to 2 Kings 4.8. 2 Kings 4.8. Let me show you what happens to a money seed. 2 Kings 4.8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. There was a rich and influential woman who lived there who insisted on his eating a meal. Afterwards, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. Everybody shout, she sowed. Everybody shout, "No no harvest. Why was there no harvest for this woman? Let's go to the next verse. Uh huh. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is a holy man of God. Uh huh. What did she perceive? What did she perceive? Everybody shout, the anointing. And you know what she did when she perceived the anointing on this man of God? She increased her giving. What? Look at the next verse. Uh, Let us make a small chamber on the housetop. In other words, we're feeding him, but now we're going to give him accommodation as well. And put there a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. Whenever he comes to us, he can go upstairs and rest, outside stairs and rest there. Next verse. Uh, One day he came and turned into the chamber and lay there. Everybody shout, she sowed. Everybody shout, no harvest. All right, next verse, verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, uh, Elisha, call this Shunammite woman. And we had called her, she stood before him. Next verse. Uh And he said to Gehazi, his servant, say now to her, you've been most painstakingly, reverently concerned for us. You've been sowing food. You've been sowing accommodation. You've been taking care of us. You've been sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. What is to be done for you? Say this after me. The sower, the sower always, 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 always picks, the harvest, picks the harvest 
And if they pick nothing, they will receive nothing. That's why throwing money in buckets is finished. Now you give your seed a DNA. You give your seed an assignment. What harvest do you want? She's quiet. She didn't say a word. So he gives her a couple of options. Would you like to be spoken for the king? You want favor with the king? I can set it up. You want favor with the commander of the army? I can set it up. Whatever you want. Everybody say her choice. choice. The harvest is always the choice of the sower. And if the sower doesn't pick anything, they never see it. God knows what I need. Well, God's known what you've needed all your life. But that doesn't change anything. You've got to build your faith. You've got to obey God. You've got to plant the seed and attach your faith to it before God can do anything. Amen? There's this, this, no, Lord, let me say this. There's this misteaching in the body of Christ. You know what it is? God knows everything. He can do everything. Yes, he will, but he ain't going to do everything for you. God can do everything. No, he can't. I can give you three things he can't do. Number one, he can't violate his word. Number two, he can't lie. Number three, he can't bless you beyond what you believe him for. You sold for a bicycle, you ain't never going to get a car. He can, but he won't because he is limited by your faith and your seed. Amen? He can't give you a harvest on a seed you will not sow. Are you getting a hold of this? Stay with the word. Everybody say, stay with the word. You want favor with the commander? You want favor with the uh, 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 king? I can arrange that. Everybody say, her choice. She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm okay. She picked nothing. What do you think she got? Because the seed was never given an assignment, a DNA. So next verse, Elisha said, what does she really want? What does she really need? What is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, she has no child and her husband is Oh, my brothers and sisters, they lived for a hundred of years back then. So if the Bible call you old, brother, you old. How old was he? Too old to have babies. But it didn't matter. We've just given the seed an assignment. And because they gave the seed an assignment called baby, she got pregnant. Remind me afterwards to share the story on how this young man got twins when the doctor said they couldn't have any kids. Don't, don't buy into all that junk. Amen? You must give your seed a DNA. And by the way, the oldness of her husband had nothing to do with the harvest. It had to do with the right seed. Are you seeing this? So money seed must be given an assignment. All right. Law number two. You will always reap more than you sow. Come with me to Matthew 13, 8. You will always reap more than you sow. Look up at the screen. Other seed fell on good soil. Everybody say good soil. You don't put seed on wrong soil. You wouldn't put seed out there on the parking lot. It ain't going to grow. You've got to make sure it's good soil. How do you know it's good soil? Good soil. Say this after me. Good soil soil. is soil soil. where I'm fed the Word. word. That's good soil. Amen? If you're growing in the Word, that's good soil. What happens when I put seed in good soil? Well, it comes back 100 times, 60 times, 30 times. Whether it's 160 or 30, it's still more than one, isn't it? Amen. And I said, Lord, what's the difference between 100 times and 30? That's a good question to ask. Uh, Was the soil different? Nope. Good soil. Was the seed different? Nope. Same seed. Wait a minute. 
This seed produced a hundredfold. This seed in good soil produced 30. Why? What was the difference? I found out. Faith. Faith is the nutrient that causes your seed to grow. Everybody say, more faith, more more harvest. harvest. How do you get faith? Faith cometh by what? And hearing what? So if you only hear the word two hours a week, how will you ever have faith for a hundredfold? Christians don't need to hear that. They don't want to hear that. I want to spend 20 minutes. Pastor, pastor, touch me. Don't teach me. Don't make me open my Bible. Don't make me study. Just touch me. I got to go. Why do you have to have the services so long? Can't you do it in 20 minutes? Come on now. 20 minutes of faith of the word will not give you enough faith to get double. Forget about hundredfold. You need more word so you could get more faith so now you can go to 30-fold. And when you're at 30-fold, you need more word so you can get more faith so you can go to 60-fold. But I want 100-fold. Well, that's easy. More word. How are you getting hold of it? Why do you think we have all those CDs out there? So you can listen to the word all week, all week. These, these pastors listening to the word. They got tons of our CDs. Those pastors, same thing. Listen to the word. Why? More word, more faith. More faith, greater harvest on my yield. Are you getting a hold of this? It's so simple. I want a hundredfold. Just because you want it ain't going to bring it. You better have the faith for it. And faith only comes by and hearing what? You can, and it's like that woman who planted $10. She wanted a car. She got a car. It was this big. Come on now. You ain't going to get a car with $10. Come on now. You will always get back in the measure you give. That's what Jesus said. The measure you give determines the measure that comes back. But what you can do is you can plant seed for more seed. Oh, you can do that anytime. I, I want to give a 1,000, but I can't give it. All right, then plant seed till you can get a 1,000. Are you getting hold of this? You can always plant seed for more seed. Always, always. But it will always be more than you sow. Amen? Come with me to Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38, put it this way. Give. What happens when I give? It comes back. How does it come back? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men pour into your bosom. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Guess what? That surely means more than one. You're always going to get more than one. If you do it the kingdom way. Not because you put something in a bucket. Because you prayed. Yeah, how are you getting it? You prayed and obeyed. That's why you're going to get it. Amen? Got to do it God's way. All right. Law number one, you reap the same kind as you. Law number two, you reap more than you. All right. Come with me to Galatians 6, 9. Law number three, you reap in a different season than you sow. What does Galatians 6, 9 say? Let us not lose heart and grow weary in our giving or in our uh, acting nobly in our giving and doing right for in due time and the appointed season we shall reap if we don't relax and lose our courage if we don't go weary now what does that mean that means this very simply this my brothers and sisters if you grow weary everybody say if i grow weary i don't reap if i don't grow weary i will always reap 
What brings weariness? If you don't understand this, you'll keep losing your harvest every time you plant seeds. What brings weariness? Let me tell you. Weariness always comes when you set the date of the harvest. Pastor, pastor. I, I sowed three weeks ago, pastor. Ain't seen no harvest, pastor. Where does it say in the Bible three weeks? My Bible says due season. Pastor, been a month since I sowed, pastor. Ain't seen no harvest. Where does it say a month? It's what? Due season. And due season is different. Watch this. For every seed. But I got a harvest one time. I planted a seed. I got it in three weeks. So why am I not getting my next harvest in three weeks? Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in the room ever done any farming or gardening? Anybody ever planted any vegetables? You did, my brother? You did, you did, you did? All right. What vegetables did you plant? What vegetables? What did you plant? Tomatoes. Did you plant anything else? Cucumbers. Anything else? Watermelon. Did you notice the time frame for each one is different? Just because you got tomatoes in three weeks, that don't mean you're going to get corn in three weeks. Because every seed has a different due season. Are you getting a hold of this? Some seed's going to take a year to get you the harvest. Chill out. It's still coming. Amen. Just relax. It's still going to come. But it's not always going to be in the same time that you saw before. Amen. It's due season, God's season. There's no scripture in the Bible that says, by faith you inherit the promises of God. You know what the Bible says? By faith and patience. And we live in an impatient society. God, give me my harvest and give it to me right now. No, let patience have its perfect work. You're going to have to develop patience if you want to reach due season. Amen? I'll give you a clue. This really helped me and it's going to help you guys. When you're willing to wait forever, you don't have to wait very long. When you're willing to wait forever, weariness will never set in. When you're willing to wait forever, due season comes quickly. Are you getting a hold of this? That's why he says you'll reap in a different season. Law number one, you reap the same kind as you. Law number two, you reap more than you. Law number three, you reap in a different season than you. What is the one seed that has no DNA? Money. Money. All right. Let's put it all together now. 1 Kings 17, 1. With this story. This will be the story we'll do, and then we'll start wrapping up. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. The instruction you obey is the future you create. When you ask God for a miracle, he'll give you an instruction. God never uh, talks to you about a seed that he doesn't have a harvest in mind. Uncommon need in an uncommon season, requires an uncommon seed. Your seed, if you... Oh, listen to this one. You're going to love this one. If your seed doesn't move you, it ain't never going to move God. If it ain't important to you, it ain't important to God. If it isn't... Because uh, it's an evidence of your faith. Well, you know what faith is? Trust in Him. So you've got to sow what's important to you. That's, then it's important to Him. Because it's the evidence of your trust. You remember that, that, that widow that put the two mites into the treasury? And Jesus said, she's going to get more blessed than anybody. Two pennies. Jesus measured her faith by what she had left. She put in her all. Are you getting a hold of this? 
That's your evidence of your faith. All right, Elijah the Tishbite, the temporary resident of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be due or rain these years, but according to my word. Everybody shout, no rain. No rain. Everybody shout, recession. recession. Tough, times. Tough times. All right, my brother, would you come give me a hand for a second? Would you come? Uh, would you come give me a hand, my brother? You just stand right over here. For this example, my brother, I'm going to make you Ahab, all right? I'll give you a better part tomorrow. All right, come. <laughs> you stand right next to him. For this example, I'm going to make you Elijah, all right? Everybody say, hello, Elijah. Hello, Elijah. Everybody say, hello, Ahab. Hello, Ahab. So Elijah says to Ahab, no rain. Three and a half years, no rain. There's going to be a recession. The whole country is going to struggle. Ahab's going to struggle. Elijah's going to struggle. Does Elijah want to struggle? No. Do you want to struggle? No, then what you got to do is you got to do what Elijah said, uh, what Elijah did. What did he do? The Bible says, call on me and I will answer. If you ain't calling, no wonder God ain't speaking to you. God speaks little but answers much. In other words, if you ain't asking God, why are you surprised there's no response? So what does Elijah do? He gets on his knees and prays. Elijah gets on his knees and prays. I'm going to get this brother saved. <laughs> I'm going to introduce him to Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> what happens when you call on the Lord? He don't give you stuff. He don't give you food. He don't give you water. He give you instruction. Did we learn that? Yeah. He gave you instruction. Next verse. Uh-huh. What was the instruction? Verse 2. 2 Kings 17.2. Let's go to the next verse. Here comes the instructions. Uh-huh. My computer's... Jamming up on us again. All right. Find it in your Bible. Oh, here it is. And the word of the Lord came. Why? Because he called on the Lord. Always at offering time, call on the Lord. Why? The word of the Lord is going to come to you. Every need you ever got in your life, every need you have now, God already knows about it. God is already finding it, already made a way out. He's already made provision. Watch this. The word of the Lord comes. What is the word of the Lord? Let's find out. Next verse. Verse 3. Go from here and turn east. Hide yourself by the brook Kareth, east of the Jordan. Uh-huh. Everybody say instruction. instruction. Next verse. Uh-huh. You'll drink of the brook. Obviously, there's no rain, so you've got to drink of something. He needs water. You'll drink of the brook, and I have what? I have what? No, no, you didn't get it. So let me explain to you. He is still over here hanging out with Ahab. The word, he doesn't say, I will command. It's finished. Past tense. It's already done. The word commanded that was translated in the Hebrew means, I have appointed and set in order your need. Just obey my instruction. That means before he even said anything to Ahab, there was a brook called Kerith, and there were ravens with meat and bread and nobody to give it. Say this after me. God, God always, 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 always supplies, supplies my need, my need before, before I need it. I need it. Are you getting a hold of it? Every time you got a need, pray. He'll give you an instruction. As you obey the instruction, your provision is commanded, appointed, and set in order. It's already done. God always commands the supply before the need. But you can still miss it. How do you miss it? 
Okay, uh, Ahab, you, you did a great performance. Uh, you, you could be seated now. Give him a big hand. That's Academy Award time. Come on now. Stand up, my brother. Did Elijah have a need? Everybody shout yes. yes. Did he call on the Lord? Everybody shout yes. yes. Did God give him an instruction? Everybody shout yes. yes. Everybody shout decision time. decision time. Will he or will he not obey? Are you ready, brother? God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Why have I got to go to the brook, Karis? Can't you find a closer brook? I got to walk. The ravens can fly. Have them come to me. Why have I got to do your instruction? I want to do my thing. I don't want to sow what you tell me. I want to do my thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, your thing ain't working. Why are you going to do your thing when it ain't working for 20 years? It ain't working now. Now your time is to pray. Oh, come on now. Had he not obeyed the instruction, he would have died in the desert of disobedience. Next verse. Did he obey the instruction? Let's find out. So he did according to the word. Come on, my brother. He went all the way to the brook called Kerith. Now he's at the brook called Kerith, east of the Jordan. What does he do? He drinks of the brook. And then what does he do? He falls asleep, wakes up in the morning and says, I am hungry. Sure would like something to eat. Mm. Next morning, as he says, I'm hungry. Guess what? Uh -huh. Verse 6. The next verse says, the ravens brought him bread. The ravens brought him bread. No, 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 you don't get it. How do ravens bake bread? Do ravens know how to bake bread? Come on, you know that raven stole it from somewhere. Come on, the raven brought him bread. He's eating bread and thinking, man, this is good, and brought him meat. He gets a T-bone steak for breakfast. Bread and a T-bone That's a pretty good deal, huh? Uh-huh. And guess what? He has a little siesta in the afternoon, wakes up in the evening, all the water he can drink from the brook. He says, that bread was good. I wouldn't mind some more bread. Shump, here comes another raven. Oh, fill him in your steak. Come on, now you're talking. Uh-huh. And I said, Lord, why did you use ravens? They're scavengers. They eat anything. He said, I would have used Christians, but they argue too much. Whoa! Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I hope he ain't talking about you. Are you getting a hold of this? Ravens don't argue. They just simply obey. He got meat and bread in the morning. In a recession. All the water he can drink. In a recession. Meat and bread at night. Huh, in a recession. He's doing pretty good, isn't he? But we got a problem. What's the problem? Next verse. The brook dries up. Why did the brook dry up? Everybody shout, no rain. No rain. So what does he do? Everybody shout, he got, a need. he got a need. So when he's got a need, what should he do? Pray. 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 Are you sure this brother's safe? I'm going to have to introduce him to Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> he prays because he's got a need. How does God answer the need? He gives him another instruction. Uh, you guys are getting a hold of this. What's the instruction? Next verse. Mm. Here comes the instruction. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him. What's the instruction? Next verse. Arise and go to Zarephath, uh -huh, which belongs to Zidon. Dwell there. Behold, I have what? Amen. Not going to command. It's a finished work. It's all Ready, done. 
sister, would you come help me for a few minutes? I'm going to uh, uh, make you the widow over here. This is not a prophecy. She's going to praise God. Let me talk to you about this widow. Most people don't know anything about her, so I'm going to tell you about her. I've commanded a widow to take care of you. God picked a good one. Everybody shout, she's loaded. She's loaded. Everybody say, she got a house. She got, a house. got money. Got money. Servants. Servants. Loaded. loaded. And God speaks to her. And says what? Find my man and feed him. God wouldn't ask somebody to do something. They ain't got the stuff. <laughs> That's what God said. But she didn't obey. You know what happened? She didn't obey the instructions. She should have been looking for him. She didn't look for him. She just stayed in Tarifat. And you know what happened? The recession was no rain for three and a half years. And you know when in the middle of that recession, she lost her servants and prayed. Everybody shout, no answer. No she lost her furniture and prayed. Everybody shout, no answer. No she lost her house and prayed. Everybody shout, no answer. No she lost her money and prayed. Everybody shout, no answer. No Why was there no answer to her prayers? She was in direct disobedience. Now she's down to her last meal. Do you have to lose everything before you obey God? Hmm? I pray not. I pray you just pray and obey. He's down to a last meal. Now you know what's going on here. Let's come back here. Did he have a need? Yep. Did he pray? Yep. Did God give him an instruction? Yep. Arise. <laughs> Everybody shout decision time. Will he obey the instruction or not? God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Why have I got to go to Zarephath? Six days walk. Can't you find another widow? How about the widow coming to me? Why have I got to sow the seed? You tell me. I want to do my thing, my thing. Your thing ain't working. If your thing was working, you'd be up here teaching. Hello? <laughs> if I say pray, pray. obey. God ain't trying to hurt you. God ain't trying to take something from you. God trying to get something to you. Did he obey? Uh, behold, I have commanded. Let's go to the next verse. Uh-huh. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Watch, watch, watch. Everybody look up here. On the way to Zarephath. You know what he's thinking? Can't wait to meet this widow. I'm sure God picked a good one. I bet you she got the biggest house in town. I bet you she loaded. He in for the shock of his life. She about to eat her last meal and commit suicide. Moral of the story, God will use people to bless you you never dreamed of. Let him bless you any way he wants. You can think of three ways your harvest can come. I got news. He got a million and three. Amen. So what does he do? He comes to the gate of the city. And there is the widow. Uh-huh. What was she doing? She's gathering sticks. He called to her and said, bring me a water. He'd been walking for six days, six nights. He's thirsty. Give me some water. Next verse, uh-huh, verse 11. As she went to get the water, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread. Now, was he the first one to tell her to feed him? Who was the first one to tell her? God. She was in direct disobedience. Listen to me. If a prophet ever shows up at your church, tells you to go to China, and God ain't told you, stick it on a shelf. Prophets don't tell you what to do. They confirm what God has already told you. 
Come on now. God had already told her to feed him. She was in dis- disobedience. He says, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Look at how she responds. Next verse, verse 12. She says, as the Lord your God lives. Everybody say, she knew. She knew. He's the one. He's the one I'm supposed to be feeding. She knew that. As the Lord your God lives, I have not a loaf baked, but only a handful of meal, uh-huh, in a jar, a little oil uh, in a bottle. I'm gathering two sticks that I may bake it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. I got enough here for one adult, one child. I'm the adult. There's the child. You, second adult. Does not compute. Did you go to school? Did they not teach you math? <laughs> We ain't got enough for two adults. We only got enough for one adult, one child. That's all we got. And I'm going to eat it and Does dying come easier on a full stomach? She's going to die anyway. Are you getting a hold of this? She said, this is all I got. As long as you keep looking at what you got as all you got, it will only be all you got. She's looking at it as this is all I got. He's looking at it as seed that God's about to multiply. Are you getting a hold of this? We may eat it and die. Hmm. He says, woman, I know what your problem is. You are motivated by fear. See, the devil doesn't have, listen to me, devil doesn't have any more tricks. It's simple. Every time it's offering time in your church, in your church, in your church, in their church, As soon as you get up and say, it's time for the tithes and the offerings, the devil walks straight in the door and puts fear on everybody. Why? So we never pray, we never obey, we never plant the right seed, and we never see the right harvest. We put money in a bucket, but we struggle and struggle and struggle. So the devil's got no new tricks. He tried to do that with her. Because of fear, she never went looking for her man. Next verse. Elijah said to her, what? Fear not. You've been motivated and governed by fear. That's why you lost it all. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But what? Love, power, and a sound mind. Fear not. Watch this. Go and do as you've said. What is the opposite of fear? Everybody shout faith. Faith. Mm -hmm. Go and do as you've said, but make me a cake of it first. Watch this. None of this makes any sense. Bring it to me and afterwards prepare some for yourself and your son. And she's like, didn't I explain to you? There's one adult, one child, and you want me to feed you first? Can you imagine what the newspapers say? Prophet of God takes widow's last meal. Crucify him, crucify him. (laughs) But what did he say? He said, if you will feed me first, there will be enough left over for you and your son. So she had to do it by faith. Because in natural eyes, said there's only enough for one adult. If I feed you, will there be enough for me and my boy? He said, there will. Now, why did he say, feed me first? Because <laughs> he's about to speak and release an anointing on this seed that's going to cause it to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow for three years. You're getting a hold of this. The moment he speaks a word now, that anointing is going to cause this seed to grow. He saw it as seed that God's about to multiply. Amen? But if you won't put God first, what makes you think he's going to put you first? Mm 
You've got to put God first. Then he'll put you first. By the way, you never use the word first if there isn't a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. There was a whole lot more about to come if she would put God first. Are you getting hold of this? <clears throat> Feed me first, and then afterwards prepare some for yourself and her son. Did she obey the instruction? It's an instruction. It was an instruction from God through the man of God. Did she obey the instruction? Next verse. For thus says the Lord. Here comes the anointing. The anointing is always in the word. He's about to yes. speak a word over this. This little oil, this little meal. That's why it's so important for you to understand that at offering time, what is spoken over your seed is critical because the seed will only become what's spoken over it. Are you getting a hold of this? So he speaks over this. What does he say? The Lord God of Israel says, the jar of meal uh, shall not waste away or the bottle of oil fail until the day the Lord sends rain. In other words, this meal will be there, this oil will be there every single day for three years. It will not waste away. And because he spoke it and the Lord God said it, the anointing hit this and started multiplication. How do you know it started multiplication? Next verse. So she did as Elijah said, which was the word of God. She obeyed the instruction. And she and he and her what? And her what? Wait a minute. Two minutes ago it was me and the boy. Me and the boy, we're going to eat it and die. We ain't got more than that. One adult, one child. All of a sudden we're feeding a household. How in the world did that happen? She made it up, fed him, fed her, fed the boy. Enough left over, sold it on the street, got all of her servants back. Woke up the next morning, little meal, little oil. Made it up, fed him, fed her, fed the boy, fed the servants, sold the rest on the streets, got all of her furniture back. Woke up the next morning, little meal, little oil, made it up, fed him, fed her, fed the boy, fed the servants, enough left over, sold it on the streets, bought a two-story house, and gave him the upstairs guest room. Pretty good for a widow about to commit suicide. Hallelujah. Are you getting a hold of this? All you got to do is read more and find out she got a house. Come on. Because she obeyed the instruction. Now let me ask you a question. Where was her house? Was it in heaven? No. It was sitting in Zarephath, empty, waiting on her obedience. Where was her house? It was always there. It was always in Zarephath. Where is your house? It's always here. It was waiting for her. Where? On the other side of obedience. Where was his provision? He could have stayed uh, by, the, by the brook, Kareth, but he didn't. He obeyed and came to Zarephath. Where was his provision? Waiting for him where? On the other side of obedience. You know where your provision is tonight? Whatever you need, it ain't in heaven. It's already here. It's in your community. It's in your town. It's in your city. Waiting for you. Where? On the other side of Give these guys a big hand for helping me. Come with me to Luke 6.38. I'm going to pray for your provision. I'm going to pray for what God needs to give to you now. Give. Oh, can you put this up in the King James? I like that in the King James. Luke 6.38 in King James. Look at what it says. Give. And what happens when you give? It'll be given unto you. How does it come back? Good name. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall what? 
Shall what? Shall what? Some men had her house. Couldn't keep it when she prayed and obeyed. Some man has your car. Can't keep it when you pray and obey. Some man got your business. Can't keep it when you pray and obey. Some man got the people for come to build your church and your building and your building and your building. But they can't keep it if you will pray. Are you getting a hold of this? None of this is coming from heaven. It's already here. Waiting for you. Where? On the other side of obedience. Are you getting something tonight? And in the middle of this teaching, Jesus gives a warning, warning, warning. Everybody shout warning. Warning. For with the measure you give, you will lock in the measure that comes back. That's why at offering time, you always pray and ask the Lord, what measure should I sow for the measure that I need? Can't, nobody sold a dollar and got a million. It never happened. Amen? If you sow in tens, you get a multiple of tens. You sow in twenties, you get a multiple of twenties. You will always get back a multiple of what? The measure that you sow.